We find ourselves in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 19 through 27. Romans 8, I'm going to start in verse 18 just so we have a little context here. Come on in, brother. Uh, Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that... But we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this, we, uh, in this hope we were uh, saved, yet hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness, Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, as we come this evening, we thank you once again for another opportunity to be in your word. Uh, We ask that you might uh, guide and direct us in our understanding. And uh, as we read this chapter, I think most here would uh, completely agree with, we look forward with hope, with anticipation uh, for that day when we uh, will experience the adoption of children, uh, the redemption of our bodies. In the meantime, give us grace to understand these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So you see the title uh, of your uh, passage here is Groaning for Glory. Um, and we're going to start by the creation groaning. Uh, if you don't have notes, there's some on the back uh, pulpit there. And um, so that's found in verses 19 through 22. Number one in verse 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Uh, the earnest expectation, that is the word apokar. Radokia, there we go. Uh, there's intense anticipation, earnest expectation. Literally, it basically means watching with an outstretched head. So you can imagine it like this. You know, you're trying to see it. You know, um, uh, notice uh, it suggests standing on tiptoes with eyes looking ahead with intent expectancy. Now, think with me for just a minute. We're not talking about a person. We're talking about creation. Creation is looking forward with intent, intent anticipation uh, for what? Well, uh, we'll see that in a moment. But notice in this word, karadokia has a prefix, apo, uh, which adds to the intensity. So uh, we're looking forward with intense, intense expectancy. That's the idea there. Uh, and again, that's the creation um, when you look at uh, Jewish people of the first century, they, were, they would have been familiar with God's promise of a redeemed world uh, because though we have the New Testament that tells us about the new heavens and the new earth, 
where do you think the ideas came from? Well, obviously from God. But he told them about it also in the Old Testament. So notice number one here, new heavens and new earth. In Isaiah 65, 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Hmm. Interesting. This is, this is one of the reasons why we believe there is going to be an, a paradise earth, millennial kingdom, where Christ is going to be reigning because God has made promises to Israel that have yet to be fulfilled. Okay? And it, this morning, where were we? I believe we were in 2 Corinthians, where oh, it might have been 1 Corinthians, where it talks about... Uh, Paul's uh, methodology of ministry was to make sure that he did nothing that would be offensive toward uh, Gentiles, well, he calls them Greeks there, Jews, or the church. And Pastor pointed out years ago uh, to me, you know, we gab a little bit in the office, uh, that here's three groups of people. Notice the church is made up of believing Jews and Gentiles. Then you have Israel the Jews. And then you have Gentiles, the rest of the world. Uh, Paul used the terminology Greek because the world had been Grecianized by Alexander some 300 years previous. Uh, But the reality is there's three groups. With what two groups does God's promised judgment on this world seen in the book of Revelation deal with? Gentiles and Jews, not the church. Now, judgment starts with the house of God, right? And what's happening around the world. The world as a whole, not just here. Here we're probably seeing it a little bit less, but around the world, uh, Christian people, they, they have been persecuted for 2,000 years now. And it seems to be intensifying. Okay, we're only seeing a little bit of it here, maybe a little bit more in New York City compared to here or something like that. But the reality is, is that's what we were promised. Okay, but you have those three groups and the tribulation is God's way of bringing the nation of Israel to repentance. It's God's way of judging the world, judging unbelieving Israel. The millennial kingdom, as we see in the uh, Revelation, is God's fulfillment of promises that he made in the Old Testament that have not yet been fulfilled. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And I know a lot of people would like to say, well, that's eternity, but there's a few answers you have to come up with uh, before you can go there. So notice uh, Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Uh, I love it when these people talk about wiping Israel off the map. Kind of like, yeah, you don't know who you're dealing with, do you? And I'm not talking about Israel. I'm talking about this is God's, the apple of God's eye. Don't mess. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you got a new heavens and a new earth promised. Uh, how about Isaiah 65, 20? Uh, it says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Oh, that's 25, excuse me. Uh, Isaiah 65, 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the, the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Now, now, basically what he just said was, if someone dies at, at the age of 100, 
they're going to be a child compared to how long people are going to be living. Now, why would they die? Because they're going to be seen as accursed. In other words, they're going to have done something that demanded capital punishment, if you will. Okay? Now, we'll let Jesus be the one that's going to be uh, dealing that out, but uh, notice, 100, too young to die. How about carnivores no more? Uh, I hope we can wait for the millennial kingdom for that to happen because I like meat. But notice what it says, Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Isaiah 11, 69. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Whole point being is these are promises made to Israel in the Old Testament. So they were looking forward to this time. They understood that there was going to be a redeemed world. And uh, of course, now we know a little bit more about that. Letter C, creation <clears throat> is in context the non-rational part, including animals, plants, and inanimate aspects of creation. Uh, why do I have to say this? Because notice, angels are not subject to corruption. Uh, and and <laughs> uh, back in the day when uh, Touched by the Angel, uh, Touched by an Angel was on TV, how many times did you see the angels get frustrated with God's plan? And I mean angry with God because God just wasn't doing it the way that they thought they should have. Uh, maybe you didn't watch it enough, but that happened. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> I think that's sin. That, that's kind of like putting yourself where you think uh, you're better than God. Um, when angels sin, what happens? They're fallen. There is no redemption for angels. So, as far as we know, all of the angels that are ever going to fall already did. Okay? So angels are not subject to corruption. Fallen angels will be judged. Therefore, they're not groaning for uh, a renewal. And uh, mankind is spoken of in verses 22 through 23. So when it says that creation is groaning, it's talking about the inanimate part, the non-rational part, including animals, plants, and inanimate aspects of creation. And someone's going to immediately say, but my dog is so smart. Yeah, I understand. An argument that we can deal with later, okay? So when we talk about creation, we're talking about all of the created world. Letter D, the creation waits eagerly. The word there is ape. Apec decomai, to expect fully, to look or to wait, uh, also can uh, mean foreign. Uh, it eagerly waits the revealing. The word revealing there is apocalypse, apocalypsis, if you will. It just means disclosure, appearing, uh, coming, lighten, manifestation, uh, to be revealed or revelation. In uh, 1 John 3 2, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. Okay, we're already the children of God. But it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. 
Boy, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Because if this was it, I mean, it, it's good, but it's not finished, right? And I know I, I meant to come across a little sarcastically ego, uh, egotistical there. This is good. <laughs> um, no, the, the body, the way God made it, wow, it's a great machine. The heart should never stop. And yet, even as redeemed people, we struggle with the law of sin. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with the variety of influences that Satan would put upon us. And we don't always succeed, right? And so therefore, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we have great hope there. The apocalypsis or the revealing of the sons of God, the word sons of God there, uh, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Looking forward to the day when we hear the voice of the archangel, the sound of the trump. I blew my nose earlier. Someone thought it was the trumpet of the Lord. It wasn't. It was just me. Uh, But when we hear the trumpet of the Lord and something like come up hither maybe, I don't know, but we're all going to be snatched up, caught up together. And in the process, this mortal puts on immortality. This corruptible puts on incorruptibility and we will appear with him in glory. So great hope. Number two, the creation was subjected to futility. Verse 20, the word therefore uh, futility is matayotes. In utility, uh, transientness, morally, uh, it means depravity or vanity. It carries the idea of without success, unable to achieve uh, a goal or purpose. Um, As I've gotten older, I I look back when I was younger and, you know, give me five things that I have to do on my day off. And man, you just go to town and you get all five of them done. It's kind of like, yeah. As I've gotten older, okay, there's five things on the list. Which one am I going to try? Because I know what's going to happen. Somewhere in there, I'm going to break a bolt. I'm going to need to go to Lowe's five times. And when I'm done, I'm not sure it's going to be done yet. I I had to repair some plumbing on my uh, shower uh, a while back. And I've noticed that it's been leaking ever since. It's kind of like I had already fixed it three times. So, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. uh, a futility. That, that's the idea that I'm trying to bring across there. It carries the idea of without success, unable to achieve a goal or purpose. Uh, number two there, because of man's sin, no part of nature exists as God intended or as originally was. Think about it for just a minute. Uh, venomous snakes. Now, we just read uh, from Isaiah that a child will put his hand in a viper's den. What happens when you do that? Uh, the viper bites you, and depending on the age of the viper, uh, especially a child, just he's going to die, right? Uh, were they venomous before the curse? We can't say yay or nay, but the purpose of their venom before the curse is different than the purpose of their venom after the curse. Uh, the other example that I give you here is uh, bugs. I'm looking at going outside this evening for a couple of hours in the dark. I have AB negative blood. Did you know that mosquitoes like AB negative blood? 
I, th- I think my wife has B negative. They don't bug her. But they will eat me alive. Were mosquitoes like that before the fall? No. What purpose did they serve before the fall? Now they're just an annoyance. I don't know, but this is part of seeing creation grown, okay? Uh, carnivores. The Tyrannosaurus Rex. I, I've always loved dinosaurs. Uh, you know, whenever a new dinosaur movie comes out, you got to go watch it and see them eat people and stuff like that. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, they're, they're large. Um, they probably don't look like anything you've seen in a movie. Maybe a little bit, but uh, they have these six-inch uh, teeth. Their mouth is just full of these teeth that are very long, pointy. And, you know, if they wanted to around your neck, your head wouldn't be there. Um, What purpose did those teeth serve until the flood? That would be one of the questions that a scientist might ask. Well, what about pandas, panda bears? They are vegetarians. Now, it's not that they wouldn't eat you if you got in their cage, but they have these big canine teeth. And what do they do with them? They strip bamboo and they chew on that bamboo all day long. So just because they got long, sharp teeth doesn't mean that the purpose of those teeth was to eat meat. And yet now carnivores eat meat. So those are some of the examples of um, what God's original purpose was is not what's being fulfilled today. So notice the creation was subjected. Uh, notice it is was subjected. It in, uh, the word there is hupotasso. It indicates that nature did not curse itself. Uh, and he goes on to say, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Uh, decay, disease, pain, death, natural disasters, pollution will all remain until the attempts to change everything over to electricity have succeeded. No. Until the curse uh, that the creation has on it presently, um, the one who cursed it will return and make it new. Okay, and we're not talking about when he comes back for the rapture. We're talking about when he comes back and puts his foot on this earth and creates everything new, new heavens, new earth. That's the only time all of these things uh, will stop, or at least, uh, let's say, uh, almost all. And then, of course, number three, uh, fallen but still beautiful. Uh, how many of you have ever driven through the, uh, through the Rockies? Uh, or maybe you've been down to... Um, the Caribbean, or the Caribbean, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, we were down in Florida at the beginning of the month, and uh, around the Keys, the water is a uh, aqua green, you know. Uh, it's bluish green. It's, it's beautiful. And if you've ever been scuba diving to see the colors of some of the fish, oh, man. But we live in a fallen world. Imagine if it wasn't fallen, When God said everything that he made was good, uh, he kind of meant that. Uh, Because even after the curse, there's still so much of it that is uh, so beautiful. But it is still broken. It is still fallen. So number three, nature's destiny is inseparable from man's. We see that in verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. 
Notice, because of man's sin, creation was corrupted with him. You might remember in Genesis chapter 3 when God has come down and he's talked to the man. uh, He says, now the ground isn't going to produce like it used to produce. Uh, Now it's going to produce thorns and thistles, and you're going to have to work hard. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to be able to uh, get your food. Uh, so again, it's uh, directly tied to man's sin. Uh, the word uh, uh, delivered there is eleuthero, uh, to liberate, to exempt from moral, ceremonial, or mortal liability, to deliver or make free. The word is passive. So again, the earth is not going to be uh, liberating itself. It is going to be liberated. Notice uh, Jesus uses the same word, uh, when he's referring to the the generation of Ma- a regeneration of Matthew 19 verse 28 it says so Jesus said to them assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel uh, so again uh That's how the word is used elsewhere. As far as uh, what is it going to be delivered from, the word bondage there is duleo or dulea. It is where we get the word slave, dulos, okay? Uh, It means slavery, and it could refer to ceremonially or figuratively, uh, and also bondage. And then uh, bondage of corruption. The word corruption there is phthora, uh, decay, ruin, um, corruption or destruction. You know, uh, again, this heart, the heart is a perfect machine. Scientists do not understand why it stops from a design perspective. Okay, I know doctors have come along and say, well, yeah, there's a plaque buildup uh, or, or, or to give you all the medical reasons. But the reality is, is when uh, people who understand design, they look at it, they say, <laughs> We don't even understand how it works, but the way it works, it should never stop. Uh, It's called decay, destruction. Uh, That's the corruption that's in the world because of man's sin. Notice it goes on to say, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Uh, Again, the uh, word liberty there, eleutheria, freedom, uh, liberty, Uh, When believers will be liberated from sin, the flesh, and all humanness. Again, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51-54, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Again, I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty good to me. I, I, I spend a, a, a little bit of time on social media, TikTok and a couple others, and I, I listen to, I don't know how many people come on and say, the church is not going to be raptured. The Bible doesn't teach that. It's kind of like 1 Thessalonians 4, this passage, they go together. 
Okay, the dead in Christ are raised first. We don't go before them. They don't go before us. They, they need a six-foot head start. Okay, and then when they get up here, we're all caught, to, caught up together. And in the process, this body is changed. It is glorified. We're given a, Bible that, a body that's going to last forever. It's going to be like Jesus' body. He said, you know, go ahead, put your finger in my hand, put your hand in my side. This is flesh and bone. I don't know about the blood thing, okay? It just doesn't tell me. But it's going to be changed. And so that's what it's talking about when it talks about the glorious liberty of the children of God. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Notice, we are not eagerly waiting for the signing of a covenant between the man of sin and Israel. We are not eagerly waiting for the abomination of desolation. We are not eagerly waiting for the seals, the trumpets, the bowls. We are eagerly waiting for the sun. Okay, again, that would indicate pre-tribulational thing. Okay, uh, wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And of course, I've already read 1 John 3, 2. Uh, we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. So other side of the page, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Uh, the word therefore groaning is uh, uh to moan jointly. <laughs> I'm going to go get a workout tomorrow. I'll be trained by Billy down there at Complete Supplements. And about tomorrow evening, you're going to hear this noise from me. Oh, maybe it'll be the next day. I don't know. But that's the idea, to moan jointly, experience a common calamity, to groan together. So the whole of creation is groaning together. It refers to a person caught in a dreadful situation that has no immediate prospect of deliverance. Uh, normally when I work out at this age, it's not the next day. It's the next day and the next day, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So at that point, it feels like there is no prospect of deliverance. Uh, it is used to describe the children of Israel during bondage in Acts 7.34. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them and now Come, I will send you to Egypt. Stephen's uh, uh, telling of the story of God meeting with Moses. Um, church leaders dealing with immature, unruly believers in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And wouldn't you know it, I didn't get that one. Well, maybe I did, but it's on a different page here. Let me see. Thought sure I had downloaded. Basically, that's where it says you need to submit to the authorities that God has placed over you. The idea of the passage is spiritual leaders. And you need to do it in a way that brings joy and not, uh, not uh, distress, basically, is the word, uh, because that would be unprofitable for you. Okay, uh, so when uh, uh, church leaders, spiritual leaders of any sort are dealing with immature, unruly believers, uh, that's the idea of groaning. Um, notice it goes on to say it labors with birth pangs. Uh, Benny Hinn at one time said that uh, the way women give birth today was not God's original plan. Uh, he had hinges on their side or something like this, open it up, pop that baby out, and it's kind of like, 
Uh, you just got to wonder sometimes about some of these uh, teachers, but uh, God said that uh, he was going to increase uh, the possibility of getting pregnant and that through pain, those children would uh, come into the world. And so that's what uh, Genesis 3.16 talks about, labors with birth pangs. And then, of course, we see the lifting of the curse in uh, Isaiah 30, verses 23 through 24. Then he will give the rain for your seed which, with which you sow the ground and bread of the uh, increase of the earth, and it'll be fat and plentiful. In that day your cattle will feed in large pastures. Likewise, the oxen and the young donkey that work the ground will eat uh, cured fodder which has been winnowed with the shovel and the fan. Isaiah 35, 1-7. And the wilderness and the wasteland will be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue and the dumb of the dung, a dumb sing. Uh, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Uh, so you have this idea that the Sahara Desert will all of a sudden become lush and green. Okay? Second Peter 3.13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look to, for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I, I don't know about you, but if you've been saved for any amount of time, the idea of seeing righteousness exhibited in the world, wow, won't that be great? Because what do we see nowadays? Lawlessness, selfishness. Um, a, a complete lack of care for life. Kind of like, wow. So uh, we can look forward uh, and not look forward with hope like, well, you know, maybe it'll happen. No, no. The, God says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So that's the uh, creation groaning. Now we see the believers groaning in verses 23 through 25. Uh, he goes on to say, not only that, but we also. So you see that there's a change of uh, topic here. Uh, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Uh, let, let's remember, uh, why were we given the Spirit? There, there's a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons, right here in Ephesians 1.14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So He is the down payment proving that God is going to pay the rest. He is going to bring the rest of our salvation to us uh, when we see him. And so that's one of the reasons why the Spirit was given, the first fruit of the Spirit. Um, notice uh, Romans 8, 
uh, verse 9, this is uh, only true of believers. In Romans 8 9, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. At which point, I'd like to take a moment. Brothers and sisters, I don't know, if are we online tonight? Yeah, if you're uh, watching from home, and okay, that's fine. Um, Let's understand, if the world is going in the direction that we think it's going in, it it seems obvious that it's going in that. There's all kinds of people that are talking about the the reset and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Pastor told you this morning about uh, uh, Boris Johnson over there in England. You know, what we need is a, a revived Roman Empire. Uh, out of the mouth of Scripture, an unbeliever speaks. Yeah, uh, you, you just got to kind of wonder. This is their plan. They're going in a certain direction, and again, it only shows you that there is a spiritual thing going on behind the scenes. Because does Boris Johnson really think that it's just a great idea? We're gonna, we're going to create utopia. If he has any kind of sense at all, he knows. No, that's not really the plan. The plan is, those of us that are in leadership, hey, man, we're going to get rich on this thing, and who cares about everybody else? Okay, that's only a portion of it. But uh, but my whole point is, is, look, you may be coming to church, and you may be liking the messages, and maybe you don't. Um, that's neither here nor there. What is important is that we are taking the time to examine ourselves. Do you belong to Christ? Are you trusting in Him and Him alone for your eternal life? Or are you going through the motions and thinking that, you know, you're not that bad of a person? The reality is, is if you do not have the Spirit of God, you do not have the power to live the life that God has called you to live. And therefore, you need to get saved. And if you are saved and you think that by living according to some set of rules, maybe you're doing okay, throw it away. Because each and every one of us need the power of the Spirit of God that lives in us to live the life that God has called us to live. Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you stay connected, if you're getting all of the life juices from the vine, being a branch, you'll bear fruit. But if not, well, you've got to wonder whether or not you're one of his because it's the fruit that shows whether or not you belong to him. So just saying, uh, please make sure that you're one of his, okay? Uh, If you have the Spirit, uh, you're one of his. Number two, yes, sir. Please. Exactly. Yeah, And there's all kinds of other things that are related to that. Not only power, uh, but the reality is the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the um, uh, wisdom, the revelation, the illumination of the Spirit in the Word of God. All of that comes because we have the down payment that God is going to finish the job one day. So, yeah, He's not going to give it to you if you don't have the Spirit either. Uh, so that brings us back to the, the Spirit's work in us, fruit, seeing sin as it really is. And, and most of you know Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is. There's, there's nine facets of that fruit. Basically, that is the character of Christ, that the more you walk with Him, the more you start exhibiting that. Because we used to have signs uh, posted up all over the place. Fruit happens. 
It's not up to you to love your enemy. Yeah, you got to be willing to do it. But can I tell you, when someone has uh, done something to someone you love or they've hurt you, is it easy to love them? And yet God calls you to do so. How? By the Spirit. You're exhibiting the character of Christ. Uh, But it's not a matter of, well, I'm not sure I can do that. That's not the issue. God gives grace to do that when you're called to do that. Okay? And, by the way, probably not before. Okay? All right. So, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Letter B. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 2. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from above. Verses 4 and 5, same chapter. Uh, For we who are in this tent, talking about this body, this is considered a tent. We groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but uh, further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Okay. Uh, So uh, we have been made spiritually sensitive. Uh, Again, go back to that new covenant. This morning we uh, we shared in our communion table and Jesus said, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We, by faith, have entered into uh, participating in the new covenant. The covenant was is going to be made with Israel someday. But we get to participate in it even today. Okay? And within that, we see he's going to take out your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Now, how sensitive is stone? It's hard. Okay? How sensitive is flesh? You ever think about how when you're a little kid, you know, you get stung by a bee, and I mean, someone chopped off my foot, you know, that kind of a thing, where as you get older, yeah, I got stung by a bee. Oh, well, put some mud on it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how with time things callous up. Well, what about a new heart? Compared to the heart of stone, it's a heart of flesh. It's sensitive, okay? And God makes it that way. He gives us a new spirit. He puts his spirit within us. He writes his laws on our hearts. Uh, Everyone is going to know him ultimately uh, that participates in this. They're going to be his people. He's going to be their God, and he's going to cause them to walk in his ways. That's all part of the new covenant. So the idea that we've been made spiritually sensitive uh, is not, quote-unquote, strange. Psalm 38, 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Have you ever felt that way? you just blown it so many times, kind of like, I'm never going to get this right. Well, isn't it nice to know that David felt the same way? In verses 9, of 10, 9 and 10 of Psalm 38, Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants, my strength fails. As for the light of my eyes, it is also gone from me. How about Romans seven fourteen through 18? We've already uh, studied the chapter, but just a reminder. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I want to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, 
that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the desire to do right is present with me, but how to perform what is good I find not. So not only are we made spiritually sensitive, we've been given the desire to do right and still can't in and of ourselves. Uh, We can see the manifestations and consequences of sin in and around us. I'll tell you what, uh, nothing like being a parent of adult children where you start to recognize where you didn't maybe do everything right in your own parenting. And it's kind of like, do they not see where the, the things that they're deciding, what that's ultimately going to do? And no, they don't, because you didn't see it when you were that age, being a parent. Uh, you know, permissive parenting. Um, I, I recognize that we don't have to beat our kids for everything that they do wrong. I, I recognize that. But permissive parenting, a great way to raise a generation that all thinks they need a trophy when they've played the game, even if they lost. Well, what happens to those kids when they grow up? Well, they become part of BLM or Antifa. Or, oh, yeah. See, we've seen that. But what about us? Are, are we following the world's pattern just 15 years later in our parenting? Or are we looking at what Scripture says and trying to reach the heart of that child so that they might actually make good decisions? Um, when we're not looking, <laughs> okay? Uh, letter C, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Again, the, the adoption, First John uh, 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. And, of course, we've already looked at uh, 3, 2. Um. Let me see. Uh, the redemption of the body. I've already read 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54, in the twinkling of an eye and the sound of the trumpet. Boom! Mortality uh, puts on immortality. Corruptible puts on incorruption. Number two, for we were saved in this hope, verse 24. Uh, notice, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Uh, The word hope here, again, believing what God has said will happen. It is basically having faith about the future. When we talk about faith, we're talking about we walk by faith, not by sight. That's right here, right now. Hope is having faith in what God has said is going to happen in the future. It's still faith, but it's a future thing, okay? So uh, notice it is not a reality yet, but it is a certainty. Okay, think about that for just a moment. Uh, Dave, uh, Wayne was uh, elsewhere this morning preaching, and he brought up uh, Psalm 23. Uh, think about some of the things that God says in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We, if we're believers, are never going to experience death. Doesn't mean that in this body I'm going to live forever, (laughs) okay? It means that when this body can't function anymore, I am going to close my eyes on this side and open them up on that side. I've experienced the shadow of death. This body ceases to function. I don't experience death. Because the person that experiences death when this body ceases to function, they will lift up their eyes in torment. 
they will be experiencing the second death. Well, they're actually waiting for what's called the second death, but I'm not sure that it's going to be a whole lot different. It might be a little bit cooler. Air conditioning and no. <laughs> okay? So uh, just think about that. Uh, uh, we're eagerly waiting for that adoption. We were saved in this hope. Uh, it is a certainty, and it is based on God's promise. We cannot expect to see our glorification in this life. You know, not only is the world looking for somehow to be able to create this utopia, very often Christians have been guilty of trying to create this idea that uh, we can get it all right. And technically, we can get it all right. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God living within us. And yet you have Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, those are the things I don't do. So even the technically, yeah, you can get it all right, gets blown away because of sin. So as long as we're in this life, I remember when we were down in Brazil, uh, we were coming to the end of youth camp or something like that, and uh, I, I was teaching the Brazilians the song, Who Let the Dogs Out? Uh, that's the only part of the song I know. I don't care about the rest of the song. But I translated it into Portuguese and, and was sharing it with the young people, and they thought it was great. And, of course, they had to have some barking afterwards and stuff like that. And one of the other missionaries looked at, uh, looked at me and said to my wife, You know, I think that some people are just not going to get it right until they see Jesus. I think that was a put down. But my wife said, yeah, I don't think any of us are going to get it right until we see Jesus. Thank you, dear. <laughs> you know, uh, Because that's the truth. We're not going to get it right in this life. We may get it right for periods of time, uh, maybe more often than not. Maybe you're hard-headed like I used to be and you're getting it wrong more than you're getting it right. Don't worry, if you're getting it right, that's a good sign and just keep on going, okay? Uh, but the reality is, is we cannot expect to see our glorification in this life. Letter B, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait, uh, eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Uh, this is proof that it will happen. Uh, in Philippians 1 6, Paul says, I am certain of this very thing that he who began that good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been saved for 40 years. And when I first got saved, you know, I was really excited, uh, wanted to live for Jesus, was willing to die for Jesus, whatever the case might be. And then, you know, life happens. God doesn't work everything out the way you think he should have. And it's easy to kind of get a little off kilter and maybe emphasize some things, maybe just go through the motions. And um, hmm. thankfully, the Spirit of God's put in you to kind of shake you up once in a while, remind you that this isn't all about you. And then you start looking and learning and seeing what he actually has to say. And when that's the case, now you can start looking forward. See, that's the Spirit of God bringing you through the various stages and if he's been bringing you through those stages, I guarantee he is going to get you to the end. In the meantime, persevere. Keep going, okay? Uh, notice, persevering in the meantime. First Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4 says, Remembering uh, without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. <laughs> it reminds me of a message that Pastor uh, spoke many years ago about uh, he tried to uh, do an acrostic on that, 
uh, because of all the Air Force people, all the acrostics. His acrostic didn't sound very good. Everybody looked at him with wide eyes thinking they cursed or something like that. But uh, Paul is remembering their, uh, their work of faith their uh, labor of love and their patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. First Peter 1.13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in the meantime, persevere. Keep going. Don't... Uh, allow anything to get you stopped up there. Okay? So that brings us to, uh, we've seen the creation groaning, believers groaning, and now the Holy Spirit groaning, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, looking back to the groaning, uh, the word likewise there is looking back at the context. We see creation groaning. We see mankind groaning. The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Uh, so notice our weaknesses because of remaining humanists and the susceptibility to sin. Uh, that is true even after our salvation. Again, uh, maybe it's the church background that I come from, but somehow it's been put in my mind that too many Christians uh, don't want to admit what's true about us. Okay? Uh, we're, we're pretty good people, right? No. We are sinners that have been saved. Now, we are children of God. God has changed us. But as soon as you think you can do okay, what happens? You fall on your face because you're such a good person. Oh. And again, it's not a matter of trying to beat you down. It's a matter of reminding you who you are without Jesus. Not in the sense of salvation. In your day-to-day -day walk, you need him. Uh, we talk about getting into the Word of God. That's kind of like the guys going on collecting manna, okay? Uh, it's very easy to, okay, well, I guess i got nothing else to do. It's raining, so I'm going to read 152 verses in the Bible today. And that's good for what? It's not good for tomorrow. It's not good for the next day. You need manna tomorrow, too, and the next day, too, okay? And, of course, we got that reading program out there on the table if you want to take one home and get started again. <clears throat> so... Because of uh, humanness that's uh, remaining in us even after salvation, we have weakness. The Spirit helps us in His weakness. Uh, his help, He supplies us with all that is needed for faithfulness, effectiveness, and protection. Okay? Um, God gives grace. Whatever the circumstance is, God gives grace. It's our job to recognize our need for that grace and look to Him for it. And as we do, He gives wisdom. He strengthens. He uh, gives gifts and abilities. Uh, he comforts. He gives peace. Whatever the case is, it's right there if we'll acknowledge that we have the need and look to Him. He's providing that grace. Now, if there's conflict and He provides grace and you don't accept that grace, Hebrews 12.15 tells us that uh, a root of bitterness springs up. And then before you know it, we're telling other people about what so-and-so did to us, and now we want everybody else to join us on our team because so-and-so did something. 
And that's what happens. It defiles many. So he gives grace. He gives what's necessary in our weaknesses. And then he gives us an example of how he helps. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Um, Notice, imperfect perspectives, finite minds, frailties, spiritual limitations. Every now and again, we get someone that asks us as elders to pray for them. And uh, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. James tells us that. Okay. Put our hands on them and pray that God would heal them. And a few months later, they die because they had cancer or something like that. Did we not have enough faith? How about maybe your perspective was incomplete? Maybe God had a different plan for that whole situation that person was going through. And maybe they got to go home early. And you get to stay here. Hmm. So sometimes we don't know exactly how to pray. And even when we think we do, we don't have all of the information necessary to do it right. So notice many times we don't even know our own limitations. James 4.3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Now, we look at that passage and say, well, yeah, that guy did it wrong. We never ask amiss? Hmm. We don't even know our own limitations sometimes. It goes on, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. Uh, notice, bringing our needs to God, 1 Corinthians 2.11, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is uh, in him? Uh, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God living in us, He knows what God wants and what we need. Okay? So... Um, He uh, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, The idea here in the context, uh, this is beyond understanding. There are no words. Uh, Some of our charismatic brothers like to use this verse to see. uh, This is the praying in tongues. No, it isn't. It's a spirit praying, and you can't hear it. There are no words uh, because he's talking to uh, God. Number two, now he who searches the heart knows uh, what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And there's a bunch of verses there. I'm not going to read them for you. You can check them out yourself. But think about it with me. Here you have the Spirit of God which is in communion with the Father all the time. There's nothing between these two, right? And he is praying for us according to the will of God. Will God answer that prayer? Yeah, absolutely. No problem because he's not asking amiss. Oh, so the idea that in our groanings, the Spirit helps us because he knows exactly what we need. He knows the one that he's asking. He's praying according to the one that he's asking according to the will of that one. Aren't you glad that's happening? Because we don't always know everything that's going on, Um, even when it's happening to us, even when we're part of the problem. But God does. And we get to look forward in hope, knowing that someday the same Spirit that lives in us is the down payment. The rest of the payment's going to be made. In the meantime, persevere. Yeah, you're going to groan. That's life in this world. 
but we're looking forward to the next one. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We, we recognize in this world we will suffer. But the rewards, the, the compensation, because we belong to you, is so much greater than what we may suffer here. And when we think about the little things that we're suffering and think about brothers and sisters around the world that have suffered much greater things, to think that the rewards, the benefits, are so much greater than what they're experiencing, oh, Lord, give us grace to not be complainers, but to be thankful, to be looking to you day in, day out, moment by moment, so that we may live in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you whether it be a little bit of uh, suffering or all-out persecution. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. Amen.